You're listening to the podcast of Real Life Church. We love, we live, we relate. To become more like you, Jesus. And so we love you, Holy Spirit. We love you. This morning, Father, we choose personally to submit to your to your will and to your ways. Even when that's difficult, even when that is not what we think, what we expect, what we want. But we love you, Holy Spirit, in your beautiful name. And all of saints said, Amen and glory and bring out the Son in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. Thank you, Musos. <coughs> Band Jolly Tastic. Bum bum. My apologies that the heat is on all on. For some reason, as I put some of them on, it trips, um, and I've recently had it all looked at, so I'll make sure that it's all looked at during the course of this week in preparation for next week. But I trust next week it's going to be sunny and glorious. Mm. But for me, every day is a sunny and, and glorious day. Fabulous. Hee-ha! How are we doing in the back seats, Tracy? Are we doing Amazing. Fantastic. So this is where I just have a little bit of banter. I make sure that I've got the correct notes for the correct week. Because sometimes I have the wrong notes for the wrong week. And a little bit to... Um, you say hello, George. Looking um, very well dressed this morning. Dashing. Dashing. I get a dashing. I get a dapper. Uh, I get a... Yeah. So it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's all happening in the, in the cheap seats at the, at the back. I don't know what's happening with my video, but suddenly I'm on like extra large. Um, so, ah, and, and I can suck in when people are taking a photograph. I can't suck in for like a 30, <laughs> a 30 minute talk. <coughs> I don't know what it is, but I'm cold. Are you cold? We can put, oh, we, yeah. we can put that heater on as, uh, as well if you. Pull up yourself. Pull up yourself. Pull up yourself. Emil, please when you sit next to Johan, uh, neither of you are, both of you are wifeless and fiancéless this morning, so you have permission to cuddle and, and, and keep warm to, together. Fantastic. Um, oh, Kyra, Kyra you, you need someone to cuddle with? Oh, okay, we'll get somebody else to preach next week and then you know, I can cuddle on the couch. Fantastic. This, this, for uh, those of you who are online, this just makes no sense whatsoever. And it just makes us look even more peculiar. Um, but Father God, I, I love you. We want more of you this morning. Does anybody need a blanket? <laughs> you, you have in the lounge, there's some blankets, and in the cupboard, in the passage, where there's some, some blankets. <coughs> okay. Where are, we, where are we sharing from this morning? Those of you in the prayer meeting have a clue. Genesis we, 7. Genesis 7. 
fantastic. So if you're, if you're Bible and turn to Luke 15. So, and, for, and I think, if, okay, we all know this is a, as a parable of the prodigal son. But even uh, Trevor, in prayer meeting this morning, was giving it a different name. And so every time I share on it, I give it a slightly different name. But I love the, I love the, I love just calling the, the, the story of the dad and his lads. Uh, because if we call it the prodigal son, we automatically just get focused in, in, in one way. And so I've been sharing on this for a couple of weeks now, and I'll probably share on the exact same passage for the next couple of weeks, and just taking a slightly different perspective of it. That's the same last week with relation to, to Diamond's Nat. And for me, this is a story of a dad and two lads. And if I look, if I look back over, over, over my life, there's, there's different times when I, I, I totally relate to the younger brother. Then there are times where I totally relate to the older brother because I'm just miffed because my sister gets everything in our household. No, I'm only joking. In, in my household, and I'm, I am saying this on tape because my mom hasn't logged in yet. Um, <laughs> in my household, I am the oldest son and I think I am the favorite. Uh, my sister thinks that as well, um, that she's the favorite. Um, but I, I get stages when I totally relate to being the younger son. I, get, I relate to being a dad. Sometimes I even relate to being a servant who just feels like I'm just doing everything in the household. I'm getting the robe, I'm getting the sandals, I'm getting the ring, I'm preparing the fattened calf. And, and so I, I'm, I'm the father, I'm the youngest brother, I'm the oldest brother, I'm the servant in the household. Sometimes I'm just the, the, the people out there in the, in the, in the community. And as I look at the different nuances and the different people in it, you know, I, I relate to older the older brother sometimes and I think my goodness he must just be so upset and miffed imagine being the oldest brother and and the there is a party being thrown for the brat of, I mean the, the younger brother of the family who is just spoiled and gets it all and, and and he's made his mistakes and he's messed up and when he comes home mom and dad still go well done you know here am I doing well studying doing everything I'm 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 trying to be good and I get no party thrown in my honor just because I stayed home I was good and I washed the dishes and put out the rubbish on a, on a Monday morning and anyway, how many of us relate to the older brother you know I, I do I, 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 I just get miffed when everything goes to somebody and, and when they make a mistake and they, and they, and they sort themselves out and then they, things just get lauded over them and I get oh life is just so unfair sometimes the older brother, the good brother. And so often life is just not fair. And I relate to the older brother on so many different levels. And, and as I say, over time I've, I've related to, to different characters in the story. And, and often I feel I'm just a servant. I'm just there to bring out the ring. I'm just there to bring out the robe. And sometimes it may happen in my spiritual family. Sometimes it happens in my community. Sometimes it happens in my own natural family where I'm the one who just plans dinner every, every, every evening. I'm there to wash up. I'm there to make sure that there's less arguments in the family. I'm there <coughs> to make sure the kids have petrol in their car. I'm there just to make sure that the allowance gets paid on Monday morning, otherwise I get a message on Monday afternoon. Do you expect me to starve, Dad? You sent me to varsity, and now you're starving me. And just because I don't live with you, you've forgotten me. How on earth am I going to eat? And I, and I go, I'm just a servant. I'll just bring out the ring and the robe and fill up the bank account and top up your fridge. And I just, you know, and sometimes, I, and then, uh, sometimes I'm happy with that and sometimes I just end up getting muffed and frustrated 
and I'm sick and tired of being the servant in this community. And sometimes I look at it and think, oh, I'm just the father. And this morning I want you to press pause and talk a little, about, little bit about what it means to be the father. What was going on in the heart and the mind of this dad that we somehow glance over so quickly <coughs> um, in the beginning? There's something that we can learn about this, this father, the heart, the movement, the actions, the decisions that he made. There's something about this father that for me is really telling, and Trevor alluded to this morning, that in this story, in this parable, we can learn as much about our natural environment as we do about our supernatural and spiritual environment. And I want you to learn how to be a more gracious, spiritual and natural father. Why? Because my desire is that this house, this house, all of us become full of mothers and fathers who want to see sons and daughters returning home. Some of us have given up a lot to become mothers and fathers in this house, to welcome the sons and the daughters home to this house. And this morning, Holy Spirit, my prayer is that almost all of us who hear this, whether we sit here or online or listen to a podcast, will make a commitment and that we will then verbalize and make that commitment known that we will become a house full of fathers and mothers who want to welcome sons and daughters home. I think this father has a lot to say to us. If I've ever wanted to be a good father, which encapsulates friendship and discipleship, kingdom, relationships, tantrums, highs and lows, it's all about being a father in the natural, but so much more being a father in the supernatural and being a spiritual father. And for those of us who often feel that you are failing at parenting, I hope that this story becomes something of an encouragement for all of us as well. But I want to clarify, when I talk about mothers and fathers and sons and daughters and families and relationships, I want to put this into context. The reality for me is every single one of us should be, regardless of our age or our situation or our circumstance of where we are in life, Whatever our status, this story is an invitation by Holy Spirit this morning for us to all rise up and say, I choose to be a father slash brother. So I'm just going to use the word father in a very generic context so I don't have to backpedal and father and mother and son every time I, I say something. So we don't have to fit into a box to be all that God has called us to do. I believe and trust that this morning there's an invitation from Holy Spirit. There's an invitation from our loving Father that He wants to encourage us to be a better parent. Why do we want to be better parents? Because if we can be better parents, if we can parent with generosity and authenticity, if we can parent our Holy Spirit wants to parent, we will then be in a position and a posture to be able to welcome sons and daughters home and all the birds said amen too i'm not going to read the whole of the story because it's familiar to us by now but luke 15 verse 11 to illustrate this point jesus told them the story a man had two sons 
The youngest son told his father, I want a share of your estate now before you die. So the father agreed to divide his wealth between them. <coughs> I find this context, the, you know, so, some passages of scripture I think are just like mind-blowing. Most scriptures are mind-blowing and are just different seasons that are more, more mind-blowing to me than others. And I find this a shocking statement because there doesn't seem to be any context, any background, any information, any emotion behind this. We don't really know what's the build-up to the, to the son being able to say to the father, I want my inheritance now. I've said in the past what that means. I wish you were dead. I want nothing to do with you. I want everything that's mine and I want it now. But we don't have any context. We don't know what the situation was that led up to, to this. And so all we know is that the, the, the younger son, the, the, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not allowed to say a brat anymore, I don't think. So the younger son just goes to dad and says, I wish you were dead. I want all my inheritance and I, I want it now. And we don't know what the, what the context was. And all we know is as the story moved on, the son took his inheritance. And we don't even know whether the plan was to get his money and to go to a distant land. It could have been the son saying, you know, Dad, um, I want all my money because I've got this startup company. I've got the startup company. I've, I, 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 I feel I'm slightly entrepreneurial. You just do sheep and goats. I want to do camels and lambs and do something different. And so I want all my money to do a startup. I, I want to get on the property ladder. You know, I want to go by my own farm next door. And so I want, I want my inheritance now so I can go do something with it. We don't even know if, if that was part of it. But what we do know is that the father agreed suddenly. The son says, I want all of my inheritance and I want it now. And the father agreed. And the son got everything and then he disappeared with it. He then vamoosed. He left and he arrives in this foreign land and then COVID hit. And everything shut down and everything went to pot. No, I'm only joking. And he went to the foreign land and there was a famine. And all that he might have thought was going to happen in the foreign land never happened. It never materialized. And so I look at it, I think, so, and I, I look at it a little bit in, in the context of my family. So I gave one of my kids a whole lot of money because they're going to go and do something and arrive there and things don't go to plan. I would hope that they would save. I hope that they would be wise where suddenly there's a famine and they can't get work and the work that they were promised when they were going to arrive in London didn't happen and they don't just then go on Kentucky and blow all their budget they then are a little bit savvy and clever about it but this son doesn't do anything he goes to land where nothing's going to plan everything is closing down there's no food the shelves are empty there's famine in the land and he squanders everything you know he even gave up his cars or his Cadillacs or in his context his camels because we know that he actually got there somehow so even the mode of transport and the possessions that he went to get there he ended up squandering his his money and his assets and his possessions because he had nothing and he couldn't even go and pawn something at the end of the day and so the son ended up in this position and this posture this Jewish boy feeding the pigs and eventually, in all of this, he's, he came to this reala reala realization. And some of his friends, we've got to understand that, that people get to the rock bottom of situations spiritually and geographically. Geographically. Thank you so much for the clever people in the household and to your hand. We get to those things of it. 
And there he is where he reaches rock bottom and he had to reach rock bottom in order to be able to come to his senses. And what did he realize? He knew enough about his father that his father would never treat people like this. And so even when Trevor said in prayer meeting as well this morning, when our spirit, when we go off on, on, on a tangent, when we give up our inheritance, when we squander everything the Holy Spirit has given us and we end up in a desperate place, we still remember, actually, my father doesn't treat people like this. And hopefully as we become spiritual fathers and mothers in this household, people will look to the people and the family of Real Life Church and go, that is a community that doesn't judge and doesn't treat people like that. And people feel that they can always come home. This morning I want him to carry on looking at this father. There's an unwritten and there's an unspoken story that is happening about this father that we miss. The father who simply agreed. And for me this is preposterous. For me sometimes I think, dude, how on earth can you just give your son so, so much money? I'm just looking who's online before I say something. Our kids are in a situation where they're all turning 18, 19, 20, 21. And so now they're all in a position where they are needing, wanting a, their first cars. And for us, our kids all get, you know, tw- you know, older cars, appropriate cars. Cars that, you know, you can fill up still, you know, for under 500 rand. You know, cars that no matter how much you put your foot to the floor, can't do more than 100 kilometers an hour on the freeway back from Varsity. Those are the type of cars we're looking for. And I look at the type of cars that some of the parents at school are giving their children. I'm going, you are insane. How do you give an 18-year-old a brand new something? You know, I'm, I'm just being sensitive here, you know. And, and already some of these 18, 19-year-olds have written off or had accidents in their, in their cars. I'm going, how do you do that? I'm going, dude, father, how could you give your son all, not just... 10% or a token amount. You gave your son all of his inheritance. What a preposterous thing for a father to do. And yet this father did this and this was a father who at the end of the story never gave up. He was still a father who was watching and waiting. He was a father that chose to run towards a stun rather than stay in rebellion and be stubborn. He was always the robing, ringing, sandaling father. He was the father who positioned and always had the place where he was going to pull his son back fully into his family and into his rightful place. He would never have an orphan or a servant in his house type of father. Can we become the community and the church and the house that never has orphans and servants in our family and even if I even if I can press pause and do a segue for for a moment and I hate the analogy but I just don't know why I said it but if we can just like um, do a detour for a second the way that we sit out on a Sunday morning the way that we even say sometimes you know I will do your duty if you do my duty and if you can do that duty I'll do that duty for me that's just high health mentality it's a case of I know you're not here I will do your duty because you are my sister or my brother. And if you never ha- and if you never do my duty back, then that's fine. We need to. St- we, those are some of the small things that we start to say. Actually, 
I know that somebody is out of town. They should get. They should have six people saying, you know, like um, uh, um, yeah. clever one, clever one. Kevin's getting married next ne 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 next month. He, ha. So we should all know, Johanna's getting married next month. What duties and responsibilities that does he have for the month of July? Let's bless him with extra long honeymoon and Sunday mornings in bed and Monday nights in bed and Tuesday nights in bed and Wednesday nights in bed. And, but let's just say, actually, Johan, what duties do you have that I can just take off your radar for the month of May so that you can enjoy marriage? Because that's what a brother and a, and a sister does in a house. I don't know why I'm going down that, that, down that, 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 that journey. But this was a father who was always wanting to pull sons and daughters into his house. Who never wanted an orphan or a servant to, to be, you know, he, he wanted family. And so sometimes I look at this, and I look at this, that, that you had this, the, the father who just said to his son, you can have it all. And the son took it and vermoosed and squandered it all. He was a releasing son. He was a releasing father, and then like a couple of verses later, he was this embracing father who brought the son back. And so what happened between the father giving the son everything to go and squander, and the father embracing the son to come home? And we know very little of what happened in that time. And I'm suggesting it was a bit of a chunky bit of time, because the son had to you know, sort out his visa, get his passport sorted, you know, get everything, thing, get to the foreign land, go across there, spend some time. He had enough time to waste his money. He had enough time for famine to come. Famine came, everything happened, fed the pigs, etc. So he didn't go for like you know, a two-week Kentucky. So there was a process that happened between the releasing and the embracing father. I would suggest that with all that happened, and I can't go to the verses that say this is what exactly happened. So I'm just wanting to use a little bit of holy imagination Amen. to paint a picture of what I think is one of the probabilities. But you can come up with any one of your probabilities as well. Just give it some thought and, and have an idea or two. And so for me, there's something that must have been profound that happened in the Father between a releasing and an embracing Father. Because even in this culture, in any culture, at any given time, for a son to come and ask for an inheritance early, and then just to take it and go and blow it, is just not okay. So we can't go, and the father gave the son his money, and they went to movies and dinner, and it was all okay. It just would not have been okay for this father. We need to pause and think that the father would have had a tremendous amount of shock and remorse in this moment. I would imagine that if any of my children, let go my spiritual children, came and behaved in that attitude, I'm just wanting to cut all ties with you. I want to take all the good I can, ignore all the rest, cut ties with you, and I'm going to bugger off somewhere else. The father would have had a tremendous amount of pain, disappointment, frustration, anger, Disappointment, devastation. And the son didn't even take what was rightfully his yet. The son acted out of ratness and arrogance. And what is the word that Alison likes to use? Um, they were self-entitled. That's a really good word that all of us like. 
modern parents use when we discuss our children on a fairly regular basis. The self-entitled attitude of children nowadays. And he just won all his money, and then he went and, and blew it. And the father gives the son everything, and the son leaves. The pain, the disrespect that was shown to the father. And you watch a son of yours walk away. And in a physical, spiritual, and biological way, we often see our children, our sons, our daughters in the house walk away. When we've lived for them, worked for them, cried for them, prayed for them, bled for them sometimes, and they walk off because they think they know best. I don't understand the fear and anxiety that the father must have felt. I don't begin to understand the anger and frustration, but I would put it out there that the father must have had a broken heart. I can't find the scripture to say the father had a broken heart, but it would just not make sense for him not to have a broken heart. In the beginning of the story, you have a father who has this pierced, broken heart, full of pain and anger and frustration. And so how does he go from here to embracing, unconditionally, wholeheartedly, purely, perfectly, I'm lying and waiting for my boy to come home. There's a guy's work I'm reading called Henry Muon, and he says, the immense joy in welcoming back the lost son hides the immense sorrow that must have gone before it. And so we go straight to bring out the fattened calf, but the great sorrow that happened for the father must have been immense. So how do we go from, and so he agreed, to he <coughs> ran. From a place of releasing to a place of embracing. And friends, I'm wanting to suggest this morning that for all of us, this is a journey that we are on that you and I are on this journey to some degree or another with some ministry, hurt, church, pastor, sister, uncle, dad, friend, colleague, calling, ministry, hurt, frustration, boss, whatever the case may be. Father, daughter, mother, son, brother, daughter type thing. I think we are all on this journey somewhere. We've been the son, the youngest son, we've been the older brother, we've been the servant. This morning, I would suggest that the Holy Spirit is talking to us, wanting to talk to us a bit about where are we on the journey of fatherhood? What do we carry in our hearts? The spiritual frustrations, the hurts, the hurts, the gossip, the misunderstanding, the offense, the spiritual betrayals, to them six out of thousands. In your walk at the moment, in your journey, with your friendships, your relationships, it's just so normal and natural in the way that we live life, in the life, in the world in which we live, to accept these things as just part of life. 
and yet Holy Spirit this morning, I believe, wants to invite both you and me, His sons and daughters, to come before Him as Father and allow Him into a place where we can, like this Father, release. The Father had to go on a journey of releasing His Son. And releasing His Son, He had to navigate the process of releasing His pain. The hurts that He experienced in this process. The Father had to attend to releasing the Son. He had to attend to releasing the hurts. He had to, rele- he had to learn to release the things that He was harboring in His heart. He had to learn to release the frustrations, the disappointments. And friends, sometimes we can so justify them. I'll come back to that later. But the Father had to learn to release. He had to do a whole load of forgiving. And I don't know how He got to the place of releasing His Son. Maybe there was a couple of sozos that He went to with Anne and John and Nontu and Joan and the rest of the gang. Maybe just went to a whole load of souls. Maybe went to a praise and worship celebration where he just let it all out. I don't know what he did. I'd imagine he dialogued with friends. He found a place to be accountable. He found a safe space. He found a place where other people could hold up his arms and hands where he felt he couldn't do it on his own. But what I do know is that he did release and become healed and whole. And there was a turning point, there was a tipping point. Friends, when even in a, in a spiritual family context, when I need to hang on to someone, when I need to hang on to relationships, when we need to hang on to careers or homes or possessions or things where we are hanging on to something but that hanging on is no longer fueled with love we need to take stock and possibly let go because if we are not hanging on with love I'm wanting to suggest that you are hanging on with control or fear and even if we think it's good control because love can sometimes look like control. Control is still control. And I can have good control and I can have bad control. And I'm going to control you just because I love you. But control is still control. And I believe this morning that Holy Spirit is saying to some of us, I'm wanting you to let go. I'm wanting you to release. I want you to release some of the things that you are controlling and holding onto. This morning is an opportunity to release and to let go. Instead of holding on so tightly to something, and sometimes we hold on too tightly to people, to possessions, or to position, because we love that thing. And we want the best for that. Sometimes we can hold on to our position, our title, our ministry, what people think of us, because we think, well, this is just a good godly thing. And even in there, God is saying, I want you to let go. Let go. 
Sometimes we hold on to people or relationships because we do want the best for them. And often I am at fault in this. This is one of the things that I wrestle with the most. Because I forgot if you put somebody on my radar, if you put somebody on my path, I will take a bullet for them. As long as it's like in my like, little toe or something. But I'll take a bullet for them. I'll, maybe just a paintball bullet. You know, I'll, I'll take something for them. But I'm not going to let go because you put them across my path. And I'm ready to say, Holy Spirit, if I am not controlling this relationship, won't you allow me to release it and let go so that you can do the work? But Holy Spirit, keep me in a position of posture like this, Father, to prayerfully pace the patio, longing and expecting that person to be able to come to their senses and turn around. And when they do, that I'm in a place to rush off after them and to embrace them. Sometimes we want to control the relationships, to control the people around us, because we just know what their decisions are going to lead them to and the consequences of their decisions. But even in that, this, it's still control and it's not love. I'm going to carry on with this next week. But in our relationships with people, beautiful relationships, hard relationships, working relationships, painful relationships, friends, maturing looks like, and fathering looks like, and mothering looks like, being willing and able to release people and positions and platforms to Holy Spirit so that He can do what He needs to do in those situations and circumstances that people will come to their senses and our controlling the narrative is not trusting that God loves them enough to be able to do something in their lives. We think that if we let go of them, God will let go of them. If we stop pursuing them, God will stop pursuing them. And there's nothing further from the truth. There's a release that needs to happen. But friends, we can release, but we still contend for them. There are very few people that I am glad have left Real Life Church. I honestly think I can count them on one hand because there were destructive elements in Real Life Church. There's one or two people that have actually said, when they visited us, said, actually, we are not the right church for you. Because I would rather release than control and hold on. But even when people feel that their season's up, we release them to go and do what it's that God has called them to do. I'm wanting us to, I'm going to hand over to Candace in a, in a moment, that says there is a release that needs to happen. And I'm just going to do a 30 second introduction to another thing I'm going to touch on next week. The second thing is that the fa what the Father does is that He releases in His pain but friends, we can release something, but the way in which we release it is going to determine and set the conditions in which it's going to come back. If we release with love, the embrace returning home will be one with love. If we release 
with the favor of God, the return will be God's grace and His goodness. If you release with bitterness and we release with anger and we release with control and we release with hurts and we release with frustrations, we will harbor those emotions and things. And when the person, the ministry, the position, the job, if something comes back, we will receive that with hurts and conditions and unmet expectations and memory. And then we will start to say, you can come back provided you become a servant, then an orphan, then a cousin, then a son. And that's not the process of Holy Spirit. It's not the process for us. Holy Spirit this morning wants us. Holy Spirit, won't you show us Lead us. Take us. Like the story of the dad and his lads, where he went from he agreed to he embraced. Help us navigate that story, that process, with kingdom and with honor. And let's just stand and just in pulling through just what Trevor was saying this morning in the pre-meeting in terms of his the first point that he brought to pray about was just the the letting go of the things that, that constrict us and, and hold us back. The thing that really stood out to me in the preach this morning, what Stuart was sharing, is that obviously as the Father, He's standing there and He had to release so much to be able to welcome. So it's a twofold relationship. The prodigal came back, but the Father had to release to be able for the joining together to come through and it's I just felt this morning as Emil's just going to sing a verse over us and just go before the father and say what in my life do I need to release the hurts I mean like Stuart was saying the the hurt from people the offenses the unforgiveness what do we need to lay down in order for a mutual coming together in the relationship of prodigal and father we could be the father, we could be the prodigal. We are in any different phases of the journey with the father in this. But what do we need to release and lay down to be able to join with what the father's doing in our lives at the moment? So even just as Emil's, just of the first, I've asked you just to do the first verse where it speaks about the father's love. Just release. There's a grace this morning to be able to release offense, unforgiveness, hurt, things we're holding on to, things we're controlling. Um, I'll be the first person to say I'm an exceptionally controlling parent because I like to, what I can control can't hurt them. But over the years I've had to see the damage I've done through the control is actually been worse than allowing love to flow. So just let the Lord release in you what's needing to, to be done this morning.
how deep the Father's love for us, how vast beyond all measure that He should give His only Son.
prayed over us, all of us, that have struggled with areas. As God's new music is ministered over you, that His new breath of life will release that tightness, tightening of the chest in Jesus' mighty name. That you'll release a new breathing pattern, you'll release a new frequency as the music comes over you. supernatural move over you will bring release into that tenseness that you're feeling in your chest that be released that you breathe according to his new frequencies over your life Such a good father, you are perfect in all of your ways, perfect in all of your ways, you are perfect in all of your ways to.
Dig it again. Dig it again. Daniela and Nick. Hurry! Big club. So cute. That's a consulting man. Have you ever heard?
Thank you for listening.